Welcome to the High Bandwidth Word Podcast, transformative studies of the Word of God. Looking forward to this new season of studies. We're going to be opening the book of Hebrews and studying it chapter by chapter, verse by verse. This is an exciting book about the new covenant and the Lord Jesus Christ and all that He is. Grab your Bibles, grab your notebooks, and let's get ready to go. Fight the good fight of faith. Get a good foundation to, uh, uh, to understand, especially a book study, where the context and things I got are at. And the book of Hebrews has a lot of confusion about it in the world and on who wrote it and what it's about. And uh, so those are things that we are um, working on. And we've, we've looked at <coughs> some, of, some of the things that, uh, some of the, you know, some things uh, and some of the confusion and already, but um, I want to just sort of establish a couple truths here today and then we can move on. Uh, first thing is that to understand where the book of Hebrews falls, we, also, we need to understand the Word of God rightly divided and what God is doing today is different than what He has done. What God is doing today is different than what will be also on the earth. That is, there, is, there are two major, pr- God is doing two things. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, right? God's eternal purpose, I said you go to Romans, right? Go to Ephesians 1. God's eternal purpose has a twofold purpose as well. So it has, he, has a, he has two intentions, two, two completed actions to carry out, uh, things that he is involved with, and we, has, his creation, um, us today as the body of Christ, we have a part of that, and the nation of Israel has a part of that. They're, they're, they're part of this, uh, what God's uh, program and plan is. Ephesians 1 verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery, the secret purpose of his will, we now know what God kept secret, that he kept hidden. Uh, in his own heart, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. So God said this to himself. He made this promise to himself. He made this plan to himself. He didn't share it with anybody else. But now we know it. Okay, and what is that grand plan? Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, that's when it's all said and done. That's, uh, you know, the new heaven and the new earth. That's when, when everything is complete and, and the way it ought to be. When you look out in the world today, is it the way it ought to be? Right? That's not the way it ought to be. But it will be there. Right? God's going to set up his kingdom on the earth. But he's also going to deal with the heavens. And that's what it says here. That in the dispensation full of times, he might gather together in one all things in what? Christ. Everything in the universe, in all creation, all of God's creation, will be gathered in Christ. And it says, both which are where? In heaven and which are on the earth even in him, and then it says, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. We, the body of Christ, also have an inheritance. The nation of Israel has an inheritance. They have a promise to them, which is vastly different than the promises made to the body of Christ. Your promise is a new body with a heavenly calling and a heavenly position, and that's where your home is. Our conversation is in heaven from whence we look for the Savior, right? He's going to change this vile body that may be fashioned like his glorious body, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. He is going to change us to be able to equipped, able and equipped to handle things in heavenly places for him. That's how he's going to gather together all things in the heavens in Christ, through the body of Christ. That's where you're planning to go, right? Heaven, right? Okay, that's where I'm planning to go, because that's what the body of Christ's plan is. That's what our purpose is. However, the nation of Israel, that's not their purpose. That's not their plan. That's not their calling. That's not their promise. Their promise is the earth. It's different. And the, and the, true, and, and the word of God is divided up 
that way. In the book of Hebrews, you have to figure out which part, which does it fit into? Does it fit into the body of Christ or does it fit into the nation of Israel? Okay, it's written to who? Hebrews, right? But see, Paul was what? He was a Hebrew, all right? So here's, the, so people want to, if people take Paul and say he's the writer of Hebrews, then it becomes sort of like, okay, who was he really directing this to? But the Word of God doesn't say who wrote the book of Hebrews, right? It's not, I mean, Paul didn't sign it. He says that his, all his letters have his sort of signature in it in some fashion. A lot of times it's at the beginning of the letter where he says, I, Paul. Sometimes it's at the end of the letter. Okay, in the book of Hebrews, it's not anywhere. Paul says he does it in all of them. So there's some, you know, anyways. But if we understand the differences between Israel and the body of Christ, then you can't make the mistake that I see so many are doing with the book of Hebrews, which is basically sort of blending it, all right? Because that's what most commentaries do. They sort of blend it together. Romans 16. So let's just look at just a couple we're going to spend a little time looking at the vast differences between the body of Christ and the nation of Israel. And then afterwards, we're going to look at the incredible similarities okay, between the two under grace and under the new covenant. All right? So the first is to see that there is a huge difference, but then also to find out what the confusion comes from is the book of Hebrews talks about the new covenant. And the new covenant sounds a lot like what we have. However, there's more to it. The new covenant involves the land. Okay, is, you know, Israel, it's, it's directed directly to them. Okay, it's not directly to us. Romans 16, verse 25 says this. How did we come established today? And, and you pay, pay attention. Verse 25 says in verse six, chapter 16, Now to him that has power to establish you, to establish you, to make you um, able to stand upon solid ground, according to my, what? Gospel. So now to him that has power. So God, you know, to God, who's able to, has the power to establish you, to put you on solid rock. And, it, it's, a, and it's done the following way. According to my gospel. Okay, what Paul preached. Because there's other Gospels. We're going to look at that as well. There's other Gospels. Paul says, according to my Gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Well, that's good, right? Because you can't preach anything other than Christ, right? However, it's specifically done in a certain way. What does it say there? It says, according to what the revelation of the mystery, which, by the way, was kept secret since the world began. So if you want to be established today, first you need to know my Gospel. What is my Gospel? What is the Gospel today? Christ died for my sins and buried, rose again, right? He, he, he took care of me. His blood, his atoning blood took care of my sin, right? But he, but he died. It's a personal you know, issue. It's a faith issue. For by grace you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. It's that gospel. That's the gospel. When you hear the word gospel, that's what you think, right? Well, hopefully we'll have a chance. I'm going to show you what... Well, you shouldn't think that if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You shouldn't think that when you read half the book of Acts. You shouldn't think that when you read the book of Hebrews, because it's not talking about that gospel. Right? You shouldn't read that. You shouldn't think that when you read the book of Revelation, because it's not talking about that gospel. It's talking about another gospel, which is actually a true gospel, but not the gospel for today. Paul says there is no other gospel today. If I preach, if, well, look what it says in Galatians. Hold your place there in Romans, by the way. Galatians 1, Galatians 1, verse 6. Paul's frustrated with the Galatians. Okay, he's frustrated with them because you know, he's preached to them, he's shared with them the truth, 
and they're starting to swerve. They're starting to ver- you know, you know, move out of the way. They're not going the way they ought to be going. He says, I marvel. He says, I can't believe it. that You are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. He called you into the grace of Christ. But what you did is you moved on to what? Another gospel, right? Which is not another, okay? It's not really another gospel. It's not another good news. But there'd be some that trouble you. There are folks coming down and they're, they're confusing you. They're, 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 they're perplexing you. They're troubling you and would pervert so that the gospel of Christ. They're trying to change it. They're adding something to it. What we know from the book of Galatians is they're adding the law. Okay? They're basically throwing in other things that you need to do. You, know? you, need, to, you need to, you know, for by grace are you saved, but through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, and you need to do a couple things. Well, that's what they were doing. Okay, you need to get yourself right with God first, right? You need to get yourself right with God. You ever heard somebody say that? You need to get yourself pointed in the right direction, and then God will save you. No. For, you know, I, what I know is that Romans 5.8 says what? God, but God commendeth his love towards us, and while we are yet sinners... Christ died for us. Not while we were, became good and righteous. So when we had nothing, when we were empty. Right? That's what happened. But anyways, this other gospel. And Paul says this, verse 8. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him what? Be accursed. As we said before, so I say, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than, we have received, than, than ye have received, let him be accursed. Right? Pretty strong statement, right? Look at go over Galatians 2. There's another gospel. Galatians 2, verse 7. Paul goes down to, um, we, we, already, we already looked at this passage last week, week before. Paul goes down to uh, Jerusalem to share with them the stuff that he's uh, basically sharing with the Gentiles, right? The uh, other folks, the the unbelievers, the heathen he's seeing, because he's also talking to Jews when he's in the when he's uh, when he's where he's at. But in verse six it says this. Well, verse seven. But contrarywise, basically he says right above it, it says they they told me the stuff they're doing, and Paul says. They didn't add anything to me. I said, I know what they're doing. I understand it. I'm a, I was a Hebrew, right? I am that. So, but contrary-wise, verse 7, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the what? Gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. That's two different gospels. And Paul just says what? 30 verses before? 20 verses before? If anybody preaches another gospel, do you let them be accursed? The only one of those gospels is for today. One of them has ceased its operation at the moment. The gospel of the circumcision, okay, the good news, which if you were Matthew would say the gospel of the kingdom, or the, you know, or the, the or I should say the kingdom from heaven, okay. Uh, if you're in Mark, Luke, or John, it's the kingdom of God is coming. That's the gospel for the, of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, right? And it has nothing, well, I shouldn't say it has nothing. It do, it's not, the message is not Christ died for sins, buried, and rose again, right? And we'll look at that. In one sentence, it's that Messiah is coming, and he's going to set up his kingdom. And Israel is going to have the blessings that, that, that God has promised. The gospel of the kingdom is a national gospel, all right? It's focused, so um, I didn't put on the board today because I didn't think I'd get there today. But see, when, when, God, when, when you look, the gospel, when it looks at you... 
all right? Today, the, you know, is, it's a, if I drew a circle, it's about you, your soul, who you are. So the gospel today, the, the, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is about your soul, your eternal destiny. The gospel for Israel is about, Israel is about their eternal destiny too. But it has another layer above it. There's a personal layer that does deal with their soul, but there's also a layer that deals with the nation. So, and then that gospel has, for us, the gospel is a spiritual thing. There are, you know, we're not promised health, not in this life. But after, you know, the rapture, you have a new body, no sickness, no illness, eternal life, ever and ever, right? Our gospel focuses on a spiritual situation. So it's spiritual, personal, very bullseye, all right? The nation of Israel, the gospel of the kingdom, is not only personal and national, but it's also spiritual and physical. So when you go back and read the gospels, which we're going to quote, and by the way, they're called gospels, but there's only one gospel back there. They're not four different gospels. They're not four different good newses. It's one good news. It deals with the kingdom. Okay? When we go back and look at them, they have multiple layers. And when you read words like forgiveness or salvation in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it does not mean the same thing that you think of. And people take Paul, and I'm going to talk about that today, hopefully. They take Paul's truth for today, and I call it pollenizing. You know, you know pollinate something. They pollenize Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then that's past stuff. And they also then pollenize the book of Hebrews. That is, they make it like Paul, what, what's the truth for the body of Christ. And it's not. It's for the nation of Israel. Romans 16, 25, go back there. Anyways, there's another gospel right there. It's different, okay? And it's okay. But if they were to preach that gospel to you today, let them be accursed. Do you understand? It's not for you today. It is a true gospel. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not the news, the good news for you or me. Romans 16, 25 says that, says, said, according to the revelation of the mystery, you know, so we, what establishes people today, the truth that we need to know is my gospel, Christ died for your sins, buried and rose again, very clear in Paul's epistles, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to revelation of mystery, definition, which was kept secret since what? The world began. All right, go over to Acts chapter 3. See, Peter and Paul preached different messages. They weren't preaching the same message. Paul very clearly says, I didn't receive what I'm sharing with you from man. That's what Galatians 1 goes on to say in verse 10 and 11, or 11 and, and on. He says, I didn't get it from anybody. I got it from the, by revelation because it's different, right? Acts chapter 3, down in verse, uh, uh, verse 18. Here's Peter right after Pentecost. And he's saying the following things is, but those things which God before has showed by the mouth of what? All his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may blot it out when the tides of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. By the way, when will, by the way, if you were to take this as a personal verse, this is not to you. Is this a national verse or a personal verse? It's a national verse. Okay, it's not talking about their personal sins, although for the Israel to be that nation of priests and those righteous remnant, they have to have a conversion of their soul. But this is talking about a future 
blotting out. It says, when, so when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. When the Lord comes, that's when your sins are gone. You understand? As a nation, nation of Israel, not the body of Christ, right? Nation of Israel. There's a, there's a, it's Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Okay, it's, it's part of those six things that are promised of Israel. After the 70th weeks, 70 weeks are completed, this is what's going to happen. Israel will be a righteous nation. The Apostle Paul says it. I'll talk about it. We'll go there in a second. But anyways, verse 20. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by what? The mouth of all his holy prophets. What? Since the world began. Paul says the mystery is truth that God kept secret since the world began. And Peter is talking about stuff that the prophets have talked about, about Christ, right? He's preaching Jesus Christ according to prophecy, which the last sentence says there, since the world began, right? That's mutually exclusive truth, all right? It's sort of like Paul preached this, Peter preached this. They're not on the same page. They're different. They are diff different truths. And it goes on to say, you know, verse 24, because, and yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Peter's preaching a message that the Word of God has preached from, well, since really Adam. It's been, you know, it's about prophecy. Paul's preaching something that God calls mystery. He kept secret. It's two different truths. That's a vast difference. It's a different set of truth. And has a different purpose and plan. The, you know, the, the, uh, Peter's talking about a kingdom on the earth. Paul's talking about you and I going to be in heaven. It's part of God's overall purpose that he's going to gather everything together in Christ. Things on the earth through the nation of Israel and this kingdom where Christ is going to be king. And we'll look at some verses on that later on, not today. And for the body of Christ with Christ as head in the heavenly places. It's God's eternal purpose. Today, it's the body of Christ. We are not somehow reformed Israel. We have not sort of, God has not taken Israel and said, okay, here's Israel if I just, in a pipe. We're going to infuse some Gentiles into it. And now it's the body of Christ. Because that's how many in the world look at what's going on. That Israel, that you are just spiritual Israel today. We are not, you know, we're just, we've taken over their blessings, over their hope, over what all God has promised them. That makes God a liar, because God promised them. I don't make God a liar, okay? But people make God a liar when you make it that way, because God gave them a promise. He gave them covenant. So what Paul says in Romans 11, Romans 11. Romans 11, first Paul says in verse 13, he says, For I speak to you Gentiles... Inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, right? So I magnify my office. I do the best I can of what, what God's given me to do. But in verse 25, he says, For I would not, brethren, you should be ignorant of this mystery, something that God kept secret, but now is revealing, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel. That is, Israel has been blinded for a season until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. So when... There's a, you know, when that happens, okay, and that's after really, it's after actually the second, it's actually the second, to the second coming, but the, we're out of here before that happens. The rapture happens, and then the tribulation happens. Gentiles are still in control during the tribulation, 
and then Christ comes back, sets up his kingdom, and Israel is what they ought to be. And so Paul says it. So it's happened for a season until the Gentiles become in. We're going to be raptured out. Then the seventh week of Daniel. Then the second coming. And then you have verse 26. And then, so all Israel, what? Shall be saved, right? As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. They will be righteous. He will blot out their sins. The promise that Peter talked about is right here. That's the times of refreshing. But it's after we're gone. We are raptured out. The times of the Gentiles, we are, you know, we're, we're raptured, and then you know, God deals with the remaining bad Gentiles, right? The unsaved, right? All right? And then second coming. Why? Well, verse 27. For this is my covenant unto what? Them. I gave a promise when I shall take away their sins. Peter talking in Acts chapter 3. Okay, the times of refreshing that shall come, right? Verse 28, as concerning the gospel today, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved to the Father's sakes. God still has a plan for them as a nation. For that, for the, and then here's the definition. For the gifts and callings of God are what? Without repentance. When God gives a gift, does he take it back? Boy, aren't you glad about that? For by grace you save the faith, not ourselves. It's a gift of God, right? God doesn't take back gifts, right? The callings of God are without repentance. The things that he's called, he doesn't change his mind. If he's called you to something, he hasn't changed his mind. Now, you may fight against it, but he hasn't called, he hasn't changed his mind. The callings, the, the callings are the, the purpose, okay? The purpose. So the purpose of the body of Christ is not going to change. The purpose of the nation of Israel is not going to change. Man wants to reinterpret, because maybe we don't understand it. If you don't understand the Word of God rightly divided, you blend it together. You throw it in a blender, you turn it on, and then put, you pour it out, and you put it in, it's what? It's tomatoes, and maybe you throw it, no, I don't want tomatoes. That's a fruit, but strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, put it in the blender with some ice, and you get out some sort of, what do they call that? When you, that's a smoothie, right? That's you get out a smoothie, right? Okay, something, it's all, oh, it's pretty tasty, right? Well, it may seem tasty to man to blend the Word of God because it makes sense then. Maybe you don't like blackberries all by themselves, right? Uh, you haven't had mine out of my garden. They're pretty good. But, anyways, but, it's, but maybe you don't like them. But to blend it all together, and it's pretty tasty, right? You can throw in a piece of rhubarb there and be really good then too probably. So I don't know. Uh, anyways, we blend it to make it better, but it's not better. It's, it's wrong, right? So let me read to you something that sort of a blended sort of thing. And so where do I have that at? It's out of this book. This is a, a commentary in Hebrews. And this is what happens. So like, what, what you find is, is that most people recognize that, well, I should say most Christians, I should say Christians, right? Not most people. Christians, okay, today recognize, there's, you know, Paul's an apostle. Paul has some truth. And if you are saved today, you have to be saved by grace. There's no other way to be saved. So even if you have muddied it all up, the gospel is somehow clear enough that for by grace you're saved through faith and not yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works as any man should boast, right? If you're throwing in works, it's not another gospel. People are working to be saved, you know. I mean, you watch videos on uh, something and they'll show people being saved and they'll show somebody coming up out of water or something, you know. And, you know if, that's, if, if, that, if water baptism saves you, that's a work, right? It's confusing people because they say it's not water, but then they show things like that. 
and, and they make people think it has something to do with something. What's well, not, right? But anyways, most people see that truth. Well, this guy is a, he's a spiritual Israel guy in the end, right? In the, in the end of it. So I'm just going to read, and it's going to be a little, little longer than I'd like to read. Uh, but, but I'm going to just read a couple paragraphs of this, of this uh, the conclusion about, uh, he went through each, each book of the, real quickly through the book of Hebrews and did a quick summary. Here's some of the things that they, they argue for the Apostle Paul. And then I'll show you what, because they make the conclusion as Paul, then how they interpret the scripture. So, uh, so it's basically the evidence based on the similarity of thought content and on the likeness of vocabulary overwhelmingly points to Paul as the author of the epistle of Hebrews. Many compound Greek words in the epistle, which do not appear in the rest of the New Testament, are distinct characteristics of Paul. So in the book of Hebrews, there are some word choices in the Greek that look like some of the word choices that Paul uses. But uh, I can tell you right now that if you listen to somebody preach, you will start sounding like that person when you preach. Um, I know when I listen to a bunch of Pastor Culp's tapes, I start using what he says in that. I know when Pastor Aaron preaches, I hear Pastor Stewart sometimes. And when Pastor Stewart preaches, I hear Pastor Aaron preach sometimes, right? Because I hear their choices of words. I look at it and I go, that's not a real, I mean, it's just somebody who knew Paul. I mean, was Paul a pretty influential guy? Peter says, hey, if you want to know something's going on today, go talk to Paul, right? Because that's what, what's happening in Second Peter chapter 2. He's well known. He's just like Peter in that, in that fashion. And it goes on to say, talk about striking resemblances and phrases and expressions and, and things like that. So basically, what do they say? So in light of the foregoing synopsis, thoughts, and vocabulary of each chapter, plus the grammatical, spiritual, and psychological affinity between this and the epistles with Paul's names, we confidently affirm the book of Hebrews was written by the Apostle Paul. Right? So they make a, a confident affirmation. So, I don't know, that, you know, a... Uh, probability of 95%. Okay, I don't know what that is, but whatever it might be, but are they positive? Is it absolute? No, right? Just, they just affirm it. Also, furthermore, the close association between the writer and Timothy. So in chapter 13, I think it is in verse 23, it talks about Timothy, but because Timothy is being released from prison. Do you know if anything about Timothy being in prison in Paul's epistles? I, I didn't read anything about that. But Timothy was in prison, probably the right same Timothy. But do you think Timothy was a pretty important person at the time? Yeah. Who else traveled with Timothy other than Paul? So, so, yeah, there was a whole bunch of folks. You know, do you think Aquila and Priscilla knew him? I, list, I listed a bunch of names who people think wrote the book of uh, uh, Hebrews. Every one of them would have been a friend of Timothy's and a strong friend of Timothy's. So it's not, it's not a proof thing. It's just, oh, it's just something, right? Um, anyways, I'm just going to go. Anyway, so it, it just it, it, basically it doesn't... Re you know, and then, so then the writer goes on and says, like, so why did Paul keep his name secret? Why didn't he share his name? Because he shares them all his other epistles. Well, he didn't want to, basically, the Jews hated him. This is what he says. And so he didn't want to, you know, had a price on his head. But do you think Paul was afraid of that? He, was, he wasn't afraid of that, okay? In fact, he was like, he, he was very much, that's why he went down to Jerusalem to begin with, right? He wasn't afraid of that. Anyway, so let me just read this, so. This is the part that sort of, it just sort of makes me frustrated because this is what people do. They pollinize a book that's not Paul's book here. Okay? The fact that it doesn't mention the church as the body of Christ, so the book of Hebrews doesn't say the church the body of Christ anywhere, or the mystery, or use other Ephesian Colossians terms, 
has no bearing on the date of its writing. Okay, this is what he says. He is definitely teaching that there is a spiritual organism to be identified with the body of Christ, but is couching it in language most meaningful to Hebrew believers. So what he's saying is that Paul is writing to a particular part of the body of Christ, just the Hebrews. And so he's not using these terms, church, the body of Christ, mystery, stuff like that. He's using terms that they understand. Okay, so then here's this. I think his statement is better. It's the best one yet. What difference does it make whether or not Paul wrote his, this epistle? He says, every astute Bible student who takes seriously what Paul says in the epistles that bear his name is forced to acknowledge that he had a distinct revolution, revelation of truth given to him. Right there it is, but we're going to trip over it now. We're going to fall on our face. This truth was given to him by Jesus Christ, Galatians 1.12, through the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 2.10. According to this truth, God sovereignly purposed to call certain individuals, Romans 8.30, to save them by his grace, to make them members of the church, church's body, 1 Corinthians 12.13, to work in them his good pleasure, Philippians 2.13, and to ultimately glorify them with Christ, Romans 8.30, Philippians 3.21. The guy knows what he's talking about for what God's doing today, right? If the Apostle Paul consistently taught the above truth in his epistles, which he did, then we, expect, then we can expect him to teach the same thing in the book of Hebrews. Because we take and make Paul the Apostle, now we're going to take and look at the book of Hebrews through the eyes of Paul. His style of writing may change, his nomenclature may be adjusted to his, his readers, but underneath he is pounding home the same message, the gospel of the grace of God, the mystery. When we lay hold of the fact that the Apostle Paul is the author of Hebrews and that what he has written is non-contradictory. We have a skeletal structure to guide our interpretation of the epistle. So after I read that, how much more do you think I'm going to read of this? You've taken something, you've taken an assumption, something you believe, and now we're going to say, even though he doesn't say the word mystery, doesn't see it in God, you know, doesn't, doesn't, by the way, he's not preaching the gospel of the grace of God. He's preaching the book, you know, whoever's wrote, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews is writing to Hebrews, to Jewish believers, but not body of Christ believers, right? They're different. They're right. He's writing to the nation of Israel. It's a little different. Anyways, let me just show you what, what that, so that's Paulinizing something, the book of Hebrews. Let me show you what we do all the time, and we do it without even thinking. So we have a couple minutes, I think. I have one. Going to go back to Mark 2 then. Okay, I have one minute, two minutes. I think I have four minutes. But. So anyway, so here's, here's what we do. We do it all the time ourselves, right? We do it without thinking. One minute, right? Mark chapter 2, starting, uh, uh, well, verse, well, verse, we'll start in verse 3. A group of men brought up, a, a guy was, uh, was sick of, the, basically he was lame. He, he had sick of the palsy. He was born, and, and four guys are carrying him. Verse, th verse 3. Verse 4. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, where Jesus was, right? When they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be what? Forgiven thee. Whose faith did he see, by the way? Friends. Their friend's faith. They didn't see the guy in the bed's faith. right? And he said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. So what did he say? What's he doing? Your sins are forgiven. So what's he talking about? So what would you think? What does 99.98999% of people who look at that think? They think he's talking about his soul, right? Your sins are taken care of. You're going to heaven now, right? That's what they're saying. But what does Christ say? 
Okay, well, and then, anyway, verse 6. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Well, that makes sense too, right? I mean, God would be talking about his soul, right? Because only God can forgive sins. Immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether, it, it, whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? But did ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins? He saith the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed, and go thy way unto thy house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, and he went. The Lord Jesus Christ makes an equation here. He says, Forgive sins means get up and walk. That is a physical forgiveness, right? That is not talking about the soul. Because the nation of Israel is under the law at this time. And if you went to Deuteronomy 27, Deuteronomy 28, they are under the curse. And this man was under the curse. And so there was sin involved. And God was demonstrating, because they're under the law, that the guy was sick. If they weren't sinning, they weren't sick. You know, when Israel went into battle, they went into battle with 300 men. How many men came out of that battle? 300 men. Not one died. When they sinned, they died. When they went in and they didn't do it God's way, they died. But when they did it God's way, they didn't die. 300,000 you know, soldiers against them, 300 over here, and not one dies. They all get slaughtered. Because God protected under the, under the law. He, protected, he blessed them, and they were under the curse. What God, what God, Christ, what they're, what they're recognized, by the way, the Pharisees and Sadducees didn't have a clue they were talking about. They, he knew, they knew they weren't talking about the soul. He's talking about who can lift the curse. God put the curse on us. That's the only way it can be. So God put the curse on us. He's finished physically, you know, punishing us. We're not what we ought to be. We're the tail. We're not the head. Only God, God did it so that God could take it away. Lifting the curse. By the way, and I know I have no time, but go to John. John, because uh, I want you to make, just put this together with this. In John 20, you don't have to be afraid of John 20. What's John 20, verse 19 say? In John 20, verse 19, or, well, sorry, um, what's that, verse 21. Then said Jesus to them, talking to the disciples that are there, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent, hath sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. That does not mean, he said to Peter and the guys, you can forgive people their soul sins and they get to go to heaven or something like that. What he was saying was, heal everybody you want. What did Peter say when he, you know, the, the lame guy shows up? He says, well, I don't have any gold or silver, but what I have I'm going to give you. Rise up and walk. He took away his sins. He took away the curse. Peter was given, and the, and the, and the eleven and others were given the power to make a decision on basically to heal whoever you want. You can take a look at it. Christ said, heal, heal, heal everybody. Lift the curse. It demonstrates you're from God. All right, let's pray. You've been listening to the High Bandwidth Word Podcast, Transformative Studies in the Word of God. I hope you've enjoyed the study. Please subscribe, like, and comment. This podcast is available on many podcast platforms. Just search on the title. Now, until next time, fight the good fight of faith and God's best to you.